is Bloomberg Surveillance. I think there are some signs, some early signs that manufacturing is rebounding, including in the U.S. An investment outlook beyond three or four years to me is more, Barry, like a religion or a philosophy than a forecast. This economy is just stuck. It used to be stuck above 2%. Now it seems to be stuck in this one and three quarters to two and a quarter type growth rate. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keen. We say good morning to all of you worldwide. Special shout out, one B. Ritholtz, Barry Ritholtz, helping out last week as Michael was off. Say thank you to Barry Ritholtz. Look for him on Bloomberg View and Masters in Business uh, as well. In this hour, oil, we got this is what we love to do with surveillance. Joining us later, Lord Brown will join us. Of course, John Brown for decades involved with British Petroleum. We'll talk to him a little bit about BP, but much more about the greater oil business in his uh, book project um, as well. We look at the market economics and strategy of oil. Michael Cohen with Barclays uh, to join us here uh, in a moment. Of course, oil south earlier than green on the screen right now, 3670 on West Texas Intermediate. We need to look at foreign exchange, yen stronger. The Forex Brief brought to you by Interactive Brokers, winner of FX Week's 2015 award for the best. Retail Forex trading platform, visit IB at IBKR.com slash Forex, we thank Interactive Brokers for their support. Yen ever stronger, 111.36. Uh, let me get the um, the Bloomberg Terminal chart up here for the yen. I want to get on a daily basis where we are. Yeah, we're right there. We're, we are right there at the low. Tick this morning, 111.35, right where we are now is a new low, a new stronger yen, I should say. Uh, over the last uh, weeks and months as well. That's very, very uh, important. Euro 114.01 with a weaker dollar um, this morning. All of this filters back to a market that won't go down. David Wilson, when did the market, like on a weekly basis, last go down? You and I were younger. Indeed, we were. Just uh, taking a quick look at the Standard Poor's I'm 500. I'm watching how he does this on well, the Well, I mean, it was, it's been up six of the last seven weeks. Okay. And that code is HCP space W? Correct. On the Look Bloomberg. at that. A font of Bloomberg Terminal Wisdom. Well, you know, when you need information in a hurry, you learn how to get it. Did you buy a Tesla this weekend? Did you get in line with your $1,000? I did not. How about you? No. No? Nope. Well, I'll tell you, 276,000 reservations were made for really? the new That's Tesla crazy. Model 3 through Saturday. That's according to a uh, tweet from Chief Executive Elon Musk. He wrote that the total was more than double what Tesla expected, and each would-be buyer paid a $1,000 deposit. So, you know, you're talking about a whole lot of money flowing into Tesla's coffers, and uh, Tesla's shares up 4% in early trading. Beyond that, it's all about deal-making. Virgin America up almost 40%. The carrier, backed by billionaire Richard Branson, accepted a $2.6 billion offer from Alaska Air Group. Now, people familiar with the matter said Virgin America was also a target for JetBlue Airways. So uh, looks like Alaska Air prevailing. That's not going over so well for that stock. Uh, Alaska Air down about 5% in early trading. Ruckus Wireless up 31%. The maker of wireless networking equipment agreed to a $1.5 billion takeover by Brocade Communications, uh, which expects the cash and stock deal to lift profit by the first quarter of its next fiscal year. In spite of that forecast, uh, Brocade down about 8% in early trading. 
Axial up 2%. The chemical maker turned down a higher takeover offer from Westlake Chemical, which said it would start a proxy fight for control of the board. Westlake increased its offer by about 17% to $1.65 billion. And then we have a bigger deal, which may not happen. Uh, we're talking about Baker Hughes. It's down about 2.5% in early trading. The U.S. Justice Department may move to block Halliburton's proposed $25 billion takeover of the oil field services company as soon as this week. That's according to the New York Post, citing unnamed people familiar with the matter. Uh, Edwards Life Sciences up 13%. The medical device maker's newest aortic valve had less risk of death or stroke than surgery in a study. The research involved a lower-risk group of Americans who can't currently get the device. So what potential for a wider market down the line? Some analysts cause of note, JCPenney up 2%. The department store chain raised a buy from neutral North Coast Research. And Smith & Wesson down 5.5%. The gunmaker was reduced the equivalent of whole from buy at BB&T, Cowan, and C.L. King. Very good. David Wilson, thank you so much. Just a quick note, Richard Clarida with an exquisite note out at PIMCO uh, yeah, this morning. I can't say enough about it. Gorgeous charts and the clarity that uh, – I don't mean to make the pun – the clarity that Clarida is uh, known for. It is superb. And the killer chart is labor share of national income rising steadily. It's a complex chart. I'm not going to retweet it out, but go see Clarida at PIMCO. It is just superb. Michael Cohen begins our hour coverage of hydrocarbons uh, right now. He is Barclays Head of Energy Commodity Research. Michael, thrilled to have you on, particularly uh, before Lord Brown. Uh, when I look at oil, can I scream stability? Can I scream range before I find a new terminal value, or could oil drive lower? Thanks, Tom, for having me. Um, you know, we do think that uh, that oil is not going to be very stable this year. We we uh, are forecasting, you know, on a quarterly basis that prices do head higher and hit about forty five dollars for WTI by the end of the year. But the, in the meantime, you know, week to week and, and uh, month to month, it's going to be a very volatile market. Um, you know, what we're seeing right now is these broader macro shifts in sentiment, um, and that's driving oil lower and, and higher, uh, depending on the positioning that is at extremes for many different asset classes. So to the extent that it's being driven by the dollar and also by the fundamentals, you know, things are seeming to shift every every other week. And I think the recent uh, move lower that we've seen is really, you know, being driven from a fundamental perspective by um, a lot of concern about this OPEC freeze in April, which we don't. Is that why we've had it? I mean, do you do you agree with that legitimate guesstimate of why we've driven lower? No, I think that that spurred it, but I think there's a, there's other concerns in terms of, you know, a lot of different supply side outages that have returned to the market. Um, and so now that that oil is producing, that's, that's provided some move down, but I do think that it's part of the broader, um, concern in the macro, about the macro economy and about China, um, and what the, uh, the kind of tea leaf reading of, uh, what the Fed is going to do. Um, and I think that, uh, that, you know, broadly speaking, when Yellen, uh, you know, gave her speech, um, and the Fed decision a couple weeks ago, now at least we've, we've moved, we've backtracked a little bit from that, and the dollar move has, has taken oil with it. Uh, what is going to lead us back to the $45 area you talk about? Uh, when I went on the holiday 10 days ago, we were 
oil was in the low 40s. Now we're back down to 36 for West Texas, 38 for Brent. Um, what's the turning point? So the turning point that we see for oil is really, I think, going to come as we move through the summer. Demand is still strong. We still see Indian demand, Chinese demand, and even parts of U.S. demand that is still strong. But remember, we're moving into the shoulder season for demand right now. As we come through to the summer, we still think that at a, little, at a low retail gasoline price, we still have more upside potential for demand growth this year. What we see is really driving the 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 curve through the remainder of this year is U.S. supply is going to continue to come off. We had some delays with the new U.S. production, with U.S. production data. Uh, We should see new U.S. supply and demand data in in the course of the next day. And I think that that will reaffirm that the supply side adjustment is is moving forward. The problem is, is that we've built up so much inventory. So what we see is as really kind of keeping prices not moving even higher than that $45, that you've got a very large backlog of wells uh, that have been drilled but not completed. And then, in addition, we've built up more and more inventory for the last eight quarters. So it's going to be very difficult for us to move higher than that $40 level. But by the end of the year and after a peak summer driving season, we do think that enough damage will have been done to the supply side to need higher prices to fill the void because it's not a light switch. That's the important thing to understand here. I think it beautifully uh, describes the complexity of the market. We're going to come back, Michael, but very quickly here, how does net gas fold into the dynamics of oil. Mike and I were really taken back by that uh, plunge a number of months ago. So for the natural gas side, it's, it's similar. We have a lot of supply and not really enough demand. And that's starting to change this year. So we see, you know, the new LNG facility in Sabine Pass mm. is starting to ramp up. You see more and more coal-fired plants that are being, that are being retired. So there's a much more... Um, kind of constructive demand story for natural gas than what you have for oil. And it, it's also important to understand that natural gas is not yet really a global commodity. So yeah. to a certain extent, you have the ability, if we have a warmer than normal summer, mm-hmm. to see prices move higher. Also because you have new pipelines that move natural gas okay. to Mexico. Let's do this. So Let's that's, that's well, all just because of time, Mike, I'm going to cut you off. We're going to come back with Michael Cohen of Barclays uh, and continue this discussion before we speak with Lord Brown of BP. Let's check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. With the Wisconsin primary tomorrow, Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump is calling on rival John Kasich to drop out because he does not have a chance to win the nomination. Trump says, if I didn't have Kasich, I automatically win. Suicide attacks across Iraq today killed at least 29 people. The most deadly attack happened southeast Baghdad at a restaurant frequented by Shiite paramilitary militia fighters. There was apparently a brief scare in Times Square over the weekend. According to the New York Times, police cleared it out while authorities checked out a suspicious truck. A box truck at a bus stop Saturday night had wires protruding from its dashboard and gas canisters behind its seat. It turned out the gas cans were empty and the driver had been located. Global News, 24 hours a day. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? 
Uh, Michael, thank you so much. Uh, well, it's a mix. Green in the screen, red in the screen in the equity markets. A yield flat 1.76%. Michael McKee and Chonky, this hour on oil, Michael Cohen of Barclays with us. It's Bloomberg Surveillance. Market Drivers brought to you by Bentley University's Prepared You Project. Our millennials ready for the workplace. The Prepared You research study has answers that might surprise you. Visit bentley.edu slash prepared to download an infographic overview. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. The Bloomberg Futures Report brought to you by Interactive Brokers and CME Group. If you're looking for global futures contracts with low trading costs, look no further. Interactive Brokers is the industry leader. Learn more at interactivebrokers.com slash CME Group. U.S. stock index futures are little change as investors look for fresh cues to extend a rally after the S&P 500 closed at its highest level of 2016. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures, again, little change. So are Dow E-mini futures. NASDAQ E-mini futures down four. The DAX in Germany is up four-tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury, little change. Yield 1.77 percent. Yield on the two-year, 0.74 percent. NYMEX crude oil down a tenth of a percent or three cents to 36.76 a barrel. COMEX gold down a tenth of a percent or a dollar 30 to 12.22.20 an ounce. The euro a dollar 13.98. The yen 111.39. And that's the Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Appreciate that this morning. Bloomberg Surveillance. Uh, we welcome all of you. Michael Cohen with us. He's with Barclays, head of energy commodity research. Michael, I love what you've got. He does these great single sentences. China's strategic petroleum reserve should add 100 gazillion barrels in 2016, but officials have cast a cloud on the pace for builds of phase three. Michael Cohen, what is phase three of China's ability to put oil in salt mines? Right. So what China's doing is they're, over the course of three different phases, they're trying to fill out what will amount to a strategic petroleum reserve that will enable them to have enough oil on hand to cover 90 days or so of their consumption. And so for the past, uh, I would say, probably decade, they've been building up this storage capacity, and they've taken the opportunity of oil prices being low to really uh, jumpstart that uh, that effort, and they've been building out the capacity at a higher pace over the last year, and they're going to continue to do that for 2016. But I think the the issue right now facing the Chinese authorities that they they kind of talked about in the the new five year plan at the most recent Congress, as they said, you know, if companies are not going to be, uh, they're, they're basically not going to enforce the companies um, and and other, you know, storage operators are going to have, not going to have to build capacity at the same pace as they have in the past. And I think this goes to the concern over how much Chinese uh, or what China's oil demand growth will look like over the medium term. And the answer is, the, the heart of the matter is, we don't know a lot of the demand dynamics nation to nation, do we? No, we, we don't. And I think the issue right now is that, at least in the United States, we're coming out, out of a, a winter where demand for heating and demand for diesel because of the 
the slowdown in, in rail and the slowdown in drilling activity is negative. And the same kind of thing is happening in Europe. same kind of thing is happening in many other OECD countries. The demand mm-hmm. for diesel and for middle displits is likely going to be very, very weak over the course of this next year. Right. And that's going to happen as well in non-OECD countries. So you have a situation globally, and I think this is really important for the, for the oil market this year. You have a situation globally where global demand is being supported by transport fuels, not by industrial-led demand. And that industrial-led demand is one of the most important components of the 1.5, 1.6 million barrel a day demand growth profile that we've seen over the last couple of years. How, how do we divide? I mean, when you say transport, um, we're talking about moving things from the industrial users to the end users? Well, it's that in part, but I think the biggest component of the transport demand is just, you know, personal vehicles. So, you know, in China, it's going to be as, as you know, the consumer ends up having the higher income. They're going to be demanding more airline tickets. They're going to be buying more SUVs, more cars generally. In the United States, it's the same same thing. Up until this last month, we've seen very strong vehicle sales that are replacing the vehicle stock. In India, it's similar. You have a lot of new vehicle sales that's adding to global demand. But the industrial-led side of it is not going to be there, and that's that's been a very important part of the demand story mm-hmm. of the last couple of years. Thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. Michael Cohen with Barclays, our head of energy uh, commodities uh, research. Mike, while you were gone, Ed Morris of Citigroup had a, 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 a moment there in the cover of the FT. There's just huge, huge mystery about whether oil in the backdrop of that was John Micklethwaite's interview with the deputy crown prince of Saudi Arabia uh, last week. The detritus of that was the new capitalism in Saudi Arabia, the sovereign wealth fund buildup and all that. And, you know, I guess spinning off some of Aramco. But the massive mystery here is whether the price of oil here at 40. I, I have no opinion. Nobody, I have seems, no nobody seems to know. I uh, actually, when I was on my travels, met with a guy who uh, owns a, a bunch of leases in North Dakota. And he said, we have as many rigs on our property as we ever did. He said, but they're horizontal now, parked. <laughs> and not drilling. Yeah. And uh, he said it's yeah. been just amazing to watch North Dakota go from a massive whirlwind of activity to a dead stop. Right. And, and then the heart of it is do they do what I'll call from three crises ago, a midland? And no, again, no one knows the duration and the dynamics of supply, the elasticity of supply or demand going to June, let alone June of 2018. That's a huge mystery. Well, we are working on the supply side. Supply is being cut back, but the demand side, there's the real mystery, as you you were mentioning. And Katie Stockton, I thought, was wonderful earlier, and I I think she and I agreed that when you look technically at the price, and you could use either West Texas or Brent, uh, it doesn't matter, and some people make a big deal about the $2 spread now. Uh, but, But the idea that it's indeterminate, which is a mathiness phrase, for I can't, what that means is I can't make a guess either way. Yeah. Just that simple. Uh, and there's a bunch of mumbo jumbo. ADX DMI is one study that I use. It shows that the trend of oil is wildly indeterminate right now. 36, 71 a barrel on West Texas, red right on the screen, a little bit of green, and we've rolled over slightly. 
Brent crude a dollar fifty more, thirty eight thirty four, but certainly nowhere near the eighty dollars a barrel that McKee knew before he went away on his vacation. Yeah, eighty. That was those were the olden days. Those were the olden days. Not many people saying we get back to eighty. We need to get the markets open. Bloomberg surveillance. We're counting down to the opening bell, brought to you by the Jeep Grand Cherokee, the most awarded SUV ever. The Grand Cherokee continues to raise the bar with its luxurious interior and legendary 4x4 capability. Drive one at your local Jeep dealer today.